Boss, can give me more data. I used up my quota. Boss, this phone is not working. I need a new phone. Boss, the new staff needs a phone line also. Boss! 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 There's so much to do and so little time when you're managing a business. With Maxis One Business Flexi, you can manage your employees' mobile plans easily, anytime, anywhere. Get the one solution that lets you focus on what matters most, growing your business. Visit maxis.com.my slash onebusinessflexi for more info. Boss, can I also get a Risa? This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. We're coming to an end of another year and it's a tradition with MSP that we find out what Matt has learned over the last 12 months. One of the reasons why we ask this is that the list of things he has retained is usually a lot shorter than the ones he has learned. So Matt, what have you learned for this year? Hey Jeff, uh, well the first thing I learned is that no one over the age of 25 should play futsal. (laughs) Unless they have an ambulance on call or very, very good medical insurance. Good jab on me, yeah. Uh Mm. uh Uh-huh, The second thing I learned is that no one batted an eyelid when Richard and I played on-air badminton, Mm. which suggests that either the people at home have a really high level of trust that I will eventually make a point or that nobody's listening. I had no idea that you and Richard played badminton, so I guess no one was listening. Yeah, it's always nice you're there with a kind word. Um, (laughs) And it's kind words, actually, where I want to begin and end with um, these shows. So, as usual, I'm going to spread this end-of-year stuff out over two episodes. So, if it all goes to plan, we'll go full circle from kindness through rage, a lot of rage today, (laughs) delusion, miserliness, fear, optimism, happiness and background to kindness. Because this year, certainly for me, has really kind of been a a crash course in ethics. In what sense? Well, last year we talked a lot about the power of tech companies and how they were dominating sort of increasing sections of our lives, especially um, with the kind of aggressive consolidations, mergers and takeovers that a lot of us don't pay much attention to. You know, like Amazon owning practically half the world. Ah, fake news. We'll get to the fake news. Um, I wish there was some penalty we could impose on anyone who shouts fake news in someone's face. Uh, You know that thing about um, Godwin's law and the time it takes for someone to compare something to Hitler or the Nazis Mm. when you're having a debate? I think we should have a Zuckerberg's law, which is the time it takes for anyone to shout fake news when any factually provable argument is put before them. Fake news. Okay, I know you're still jet lagged, but um, I think you're going to have to do a bit more work than this. Hey, fake news. <laughs> this is going to be a real struggle. <laughs> um, so that journey into the power of the companies, into the role that technology has played in disrupting elections, influencing share and stock price movements. Uh, it's also about tech populism, how that's gone hand in hand with or even paved the way for the rise of political populism. So this year has been one where I think the shows have concentrated more on people than the technology itself. Some people might argue that's just your excuse for not doing any research. Yeah, like the stuff you've done for these <laughs> questions, yelling fake news at me every 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, no, it's, it's for a more compelling reason, I think. Um, you know, we've talked about the, the fact that people have stopped loving technology. So we talked about that a lot on last week's show as well. Um, one of the byproducts of that loss of interest, that it's allowed us to stop marvelling at 
Oz and the Yellow Brick Road, and we can actually take a much more critical look at the wizard himself. And as with all magicians, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, more smoke and mirrors than there is substance. Fake news! Okay, this time I'll allow it because you're actually right. Um, I know we're all up to here with fake news, but despite the attention that has been heaped on it, I don't think it's going to go away. Mm. Uh, It's one of those things that's so frustrating about it. Governments take so long to get into gear. So we're still seeing panels and committees being formed. We're still seeing executives from tech companies being called in for talks. So we're getting a lot of talk about action and no real action. Mm, I think we've discussed this enough times on the show before. It's gone beyond the point where we leave these issues to the tech companies to resolve. Yeah, uh, a few weeks ago, um, we did an episode on uh, smear campaigns. I think I did that one with Richard. And, uh, you know, listening to the feedback from people, I think they were quite shocked by how easy it is Hmm. to put that kind of campaign together. And if anything, this focus on fake news is actually making that worse because people see how poorly this area is regulated, how slow governments and enforcement agencies are to react and how overwhelmed the social media companies are. So every half-baked snake charmer now thinks that he or she can deliver opposition research and deflection campaigns. And it's become the standard way to respond to something that you disagree with. Yeah, like the obsession with donuts that you and Richard seem to have developed while I've been away. Well, donuts is actually where our smear campaign started, because Mm. everyone knows that you can't get a good smear going without a healthy dollop of jam. And that's where this thing about ethics comes back in. Uh, Companies routinely seem to be behaving like second-rate dictatorships who rely on intimidation and thuggery. And some companies seem to operate their own informal secret police, either internally or through the plausible deniability of shady PR and reputation management companies. Why do you think we're so afraid of the truth? I genuinely don't know. Mm. Uh, There seems to be this tacit belief that it's better to spin than to tell the truth. Mm. Now, my non-radio job is communications. I do crisis communications and all kinds of communication strat and content development. So I work with a lot of PR and communication companies, reputable ones, I I might add, Mm. and they pretty much all advise their clients to tell the truth. But we've become addicted to spin. So even when statements are easily disprovable or the facts are a matter of public record, companies seem to have become allergic to actually telling us what the truth is. How does Facebook fit into this narrative? Well, it's not something that's limited to to Facebook. You can take any of the big tech companies and a lot of companies outside tech as Mm. well, of course. Mm. They have skeletons in their cupboards and they spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars, to deflect these truths rather than just putting their hands up and saying, sorry, I did it. You know, we find it shocking when governments spy on us, but when we hear that some tech company seems to operate its own tin pot Stasi, no one seems to to be bothered at all. And we used to look at tech companies for leadership. Well, that's part of the, the change in the way we think. You know, as I discussed with Richard on last week's show, partly it's because tech is not new anymore. It's become the new normal. Uh, and genuinely, I think this is one of the things I'd hoped to 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 learn this year, why all of this has changed. Mm. But maybe we'll have uh, all of this figured out by this time next year. I don't know. 
There are some bright spots, um, though it's not necessarily in the traditional tech industry. I have to commend Nissan for its openness in the unfolding story about uh, Carlos Gozan and uh, alleged fraud. Yeah, because that story could have been swept under the carpet quite easily. Especially when you're talking about Japanese companies, mm. you know, which mm. traditionally like to keep things in-house and not to go public with things that might bring them shame. Uh But where there are light spots, of course, there are dark spots. Companies like Facebook, which are supposed to be our our beacons of the future, which are supposed to represent openness and transparency and empowerment and honesty. And then you find out that COO Sheryl Sandberg was involved in the whole George Soros opposition research and Mm. deflection campaign. And that rather than seeking her dismissal, the Facebook board have actually approved of her actions. Are you using the word deflection for legal reasons? Well, I'm assuming I shouldn't say what I feel here. um, But also, you know, this is something that we've lost sight of as people as well. You have to stick to what's provable. Of course, I have an opinion about Mm. that, about this but unless I can actually back it up, then it's not something that belongs here in a public forum. If I'm talking about the, the future and I'm offering conjecture, that's one thing. So, for example, if I say that I think Facebook's importance and power is going to diminish, that I don't think it will be an important part of our lives in 20 or 30 years. And if I say Amazon, on the other hand, may be some kind of unimaginable mega corporation that will literally take a cut of every transaction that takes place on the planet. If I say these things, they're not facts, they're predictions. And over the last few years, we seem to have lost that distinction between fact and opinion and conjecture. Mm. When we come back, more of the things Matt wished he learned in 2018. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Boss, can give me more data. I used up my quota. Boss, this phone is not working. I need a new phone. Boss, the new staff needs a phone line also. Boss! 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 There's so much to do and so little time when you're managing a business. With Max's One Business Flexi, you can manage your employees' mobile plans easily, anytime, anywhere. Get the one solution that lets you focus on what matters most, growing your business. Visit maxis.com.my slash onebusinessflexi for more info. Boss, can I also get a raise? Bring forth Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's the end of 2018. It's been far more of a year than we could fit into 20 minutes, but that won't stop us from trying. Before the break, we were talking about the failure of the tech companies. I know that Matt doesn't want to get too hung up on this story, but... I think we have to talk about leadership before we move on to something else. So, Matt, the quality of tech leadership is something you've talked about at length this year. Yeah, on both sides. And Mm. um, I've actually been thinking as well, um, given that you keep shouting fake news at me, (laughs) uh, in 2019, I might just replace you with a button. I'm not sure what it's going (laughs) to say. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, um, I mean, when we talk about this leadership... Yes, it's both uh, a failure on the side of the tech companies and from the elected lawmakers that we've chosen to uh, oversee them. Um, Do you want me to start with the tech leaders? Yeah. Fake news. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about tech leaders like Sheryl Sandberg. And some people might argue, why should we care? 
Uh, ignoring the power and wealth that these folks have. You know, they have an identity and they have a profile. So we're disappointed with Sambo because she's also the author of the best-selling book, Lean In. She positions herself as a role model for women in an industry that is remarkably male-dominated and seems to be increasingly sexist from the bottom upwards. Mm. In case anyone's forgotten the open letter of a former Google employee that uh, helpfully outlined all the reasons that women make worse employees than men, um, you need figures like Sandberg because they actually stand for something. And that's not the case for all those leaders, though. They aren't all best-selling authors or self-appointed role models. Um, they aren't, but we still want that consistency. Um, that's why we call the top layer of a, of a company governance. Um, you know, look at Jack Dorsey, mm. and he seems to have become the epitome of the hashtag epic fail. Just this week, uh, he was jumped on for holidaying Myanmar and painting a glowing picture of the country and its people without once mentioning the plight of the Rohingya. Does he have a duty to show that side of the country? It was a holiday, you know, he's not a reporter. Well, we keep being told that these guys are their products. So Mark Zuckerberg is the face of Facebook and Dorsey is the face of Twitter. And that's the problem. If you set yourself up as the next Steve Jobs, if you seek that power and influence, then you have to account for your actions. And in Dorsey's case, Twitter was heralded for its role in changing the way we communicate and for its ability to give disenfranchised people a voice. So if you travel to a country (laughs) and ignore the dispossessed, we're going to have to call you out on that. Is it tone deafness? Is it ignorance? Why do you think we have this gap between our expectations and the reality? It's odd. I can't really explain it. It does seem to come down to that old uh, adage, are there any adults in charge? (laughs) But then Sheryl Sandberg is supposed to be the adult at Facebook. So who knows? But however much opprobrium I have for our tech visionaries, it's nothing compared to the thought deficit that I think our world's lawmakers are showing. You're talking about congressional hearings and other parliamentary investigations onto fake news and technology. How do you recover from watching uh, US lawmakers treat Zuckerberg as though he was Mark from tech support (laughs) or a, a US president who talks about the cyber? If I went into a meeting with a client armed with the level of knowledge that lawmakers seem to demonstrate about technology, I would be handed my donkey on a platter, to use a more radio-friendly version of of the phrase. Um, If ever there was a demonstration of the gap between the world's politicians, the, the, the gap between the world that they inhabit and the world that we're in, I think that's it. So... I'm supposed to be talking about all the things I learned in 2018, and it's devolved into another rant about CEOs and politicians. But I am genuinely cross about this. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, those congressional hearings showed that Zuckerberg and the people who were interviewing him Mm. literally had different definitions of the words they were using. Take privacy. Lawmakers were talking about the kind of privacy that you expect in your shower cabinet. Zuckerberg was talking about data privacy, where third parties are given paid or privileged access to your personal information. Oh, there was that hilarious Rudy Giuliani tweet last week. Yeah, Giuliani inadvertently (laughs) mistyped a hyperlink into a tweet. But then he accused Twitter of allowing someone to invade his tweet. That isn't a thing. You can't invade a tweet. It's not a country. You can't rush it like a caravan of migrants. (laughs) 
And, you know, he forgot to put a blank space after a full stop and he created a hyperlink. Someone bought the non-existent domain, which was .in for <laughs> India, and quickly put up a one-page site criticising Trump. Now... This could simply be put down to an old white guy having a senior moment. Yeah. But Rudy Giuliani is a cybersecurity consultant to President <laughs> Trump. His job involves him protecting the US from outside cyber attack. You know, I've got this mental image <sighs> of Giuliani walking the grounds of the White House in a suit of armor, eagle-eyed in case, I don't know, long-haired hippies launch a hacky sack attack. Oh, um, he probably thinks web pages are painted <laughs> like the backdrops of the John Wayne cowboy movies he watched as a boy. I think we need to change topics before you blow a few yeah. <laughs> okay, that is one of the more unfortunate things I learned this year. You mm. have to choose your battles and you've just got to let the rest of this nonsense just wash over you. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank you for protecting my <laughs> blood pressure. Uh, one of the other big things I learned this year was that I could actually understand the blockchain. Oh, you've always claimed that you understood the blockchain. Uh, I do, but I've always <laughs> struggled to communicate it, especially in a way that would make sense here on the show. So mm. I like things like blockchain that are enormous um, and blockchain technology, you know, what it is, what it can do. It's absolutely colossal. It's massive. So I can visualize it. But when I try and explain it, it would come out very jumbled and confused because, you know, I'm trying to explain 20 different things and not looking at it in a linear perspective. So what's changed? Well, some crazy people made the mistake of asking me to moderate a session on blockchain with some proper <laughs> pros. I think they actually wanted you, but you weren't available. Um, so I had to find a way not just to explain it, but also to dissect what the guys on the panel were saying yeah. in case any of that was too technical for the audience <laughs> to understand. And because it went moderately well, I had a crack at talking about blockchain and the future of money here on the show. Mm. Uh, I still owe everyone a few shows on what blockchain tech can and will be used for. And I have got those penciled in to the diary for next year. So if you had to sum up blockchain in 30 seconds. I'd ask you to stop being mean. <laughs> um, the simplest way to think of it is just as information. So when we talk about blockchain in terms of money, it's like having a coin that comes with a till receipt of every transaction that it's ever been through. It's transparency. Is that the key? Well, if you really can't get your head around blockchain, then yeah, I think just remember that it's about making actions transparent. And that goes for money or any other application that you use blockchain for. So cryptocurrencies have made us think that blockchain is all about secrecy, but that's actually the opposite of what the technology is there for. So we've talked today about CEOs and politicians and accountability, and that's really what blockchain is for. It's for holding people and actions to account. It's mm. about creating a data trail of their purchases or their actions, and that accountability can then be used to empower other people. Not bad. A little bit more than 30 seconds, though. Not bad, though. But what about the money part? Well, you had me off my soapbox for a minute, and now I'm back on it. Um, there are loads of models for future money, um, especially ones in the world of Future Matt. Oh, we haven't seen or spoken to Future Matt in a while. Uh, he's going to be making a reappearance oh. in 2019. Um, I've been getting the uh, transient ischemic attacks, the, his idea of WhatsApps. Mm. Um, anyway, while I'm still in charge of my mind, uh, we'll stick with money. There are lots of directions that money could go in the future, including ways that don't include... Uh, 
uh, central banks and reserves and the kind of structures that we're used to. But most likely the future is digital. Yeah, but I still don't think we're looking at kind of binary solutions. Uh, electronic cash is convenient, it's virtual, it's seamless, but there are some situations where you still need cash. Uh, some of our listeners may have heard me on the evening edition a couple of weeks ago talking about Malaysia's own plans to adopt a digital currency. Mm. As a way of curbing graft and also corruption. Yeah, um, and with all respect to Malaysia's Prime Minister, I don't think that this is a good way to go. It's not that I don't think Malaysia mm. is not ready. I don't think any country is ready. So one of the advantages of physical currency is precisely that. It's physical. You can't switch it off. When you look at hacking exercises in Estonia and the Ukraine, they targeted banks and payment systems because those are some of the quickest ways to create chaos and disruption. You stop people being able to buy the food, the fuel and all the other basics that they rely on. Why do you call them exercises? Because that's essentially what they are. They're basically training runs. They're probing for weaknesses. They're assessing results. They're treating real-life countries as test subjects in case mm. it has to be done at a bigger scale. Electronic payments rely on, above everything else, electricity. And that's the biggest mm. drawback that I find with electric cars. Yeah. You know, it's a technology that relies on everything being stable. Try finding a charging station for your car mm. after a tsunami or a nuclear plant leak. And you expect the internet is going to work and to process payments in seconds after some kind of disaster. It's not going to happen. And that's why we still need cash, because it's simple and it's robust. And that's without talking about the people who live outside of the banking system. Yeah. Um, look, I applaud any efforts to weed out corruption. But at the moment, even in the most advanced societies, there are huge numbers of people who work in the informal economy. So we would be better to look at implementations, for example, blockchain-backed currencies, which actively help to bring those people out of the grey or the black economy. Because if you remove physical currency, then the people outside the system have to work for food, lodgings, clothing, the basics of life. And we have a word for people who live in those conditions where they receive something instead of they don't receive money in exchange for their work. That word is slavery. Mm. So by all means, look at digital implementations. But those solutions have to be inclusive. They have to reduce the exploitation of the people who are most at risk. And they have to give them access to government services. It has to regularize their employment. And it has to hold those employers accountable. And I hold my hands up. Um, thank you to Zul Khalil at Incitement, because... This is one of the most important things I think that I've learned in 2018. And we'll come back for a full circle next week because we started off with kindness and I feel like the rest of it was just rage all around. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a bit of miserliness, but we will get back to the uh, get back to the happy, happy, fluffy stuff. And that is Man Amatech with uh, MSP. We'll be right back with Geek Squawks and we'll be picking out some of the Christmas gifts that we want after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.